Welcome to Our Soul, a podcast by Kelly Fox and Terry Williams from the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. So it's Pride Month, right? Everything turned rainbow overnight. It's like May into June, just bam, all the colors. Um, So I... We talk all the time being folk who work in repro and people who are part of the LGBTQ community. We talk all the time about the intersections of reproductive health rights and justice and LGBTQ liberation. Yes. But there are a lot of people who probably don't automatically think of those two things, mainly queer rights and repro, as being really closely linked or intimately associated or intersectional. Um, let's, let's dispel a little of that. Um, Kelly, like just starting off, what do you think your elevator speech for folk, um, repro and queer stuff, why are they related? Well, uh, for one, like, People who need access to reproductive health rights and justice are not just cis. So just because uh, somebody is uh, part of the LGBTQ community, especially if they're trans, does not mean that they won't need access to reproductive health rights and justice. And in fact, uh, they may need it in ways that you may not expect. You know, Um, there are needs for birth control, needs for contraception, and needs for abortion from all types of people, um, regardless of if they are cis or not. As well, um, if you think about the LGBT community, um, one thing that's really important is that we shouldn't gatekeep people. So people like myself, a bisexual person, need access to reproductive health care because they may be in relationships where that could result in or sexual relationships that could result in pregnancy or they could be in relationships that wouldn't naturally result in um, pregnancy but that doesn't mean that um, those people don't need reproductive health rights and justice and given the fact that um, it's it's kind of you know there are there's a need for pride, you know? There's the fact that trans people, that queer people are still facing issues because of their identity. Um, And I think it's really important to remember them as we're doing reproductive rights work. There is no like separation. There's no gate there. Uh, They are included in all the people who need access to reproductive health rights and justice. And so, when we think about repro, we also have to think about pride and the people who wouldn't naturally be lumped in with the people who need access to reproductive health rights and justice. Totally. How's that for an elevator speech? I think it's a great elevator speech. I think we, <laughs> we went from ground floor all the way to the top because that's right. That's like the essential piece for me that links it together is that folk who are engaged in working for reproductive health rights and justice are also engaged in working for liberation in many other places and through many other lenses. And the reality is working for queer liberation and working for liberated bodies in in reproductive justice 
it's it, they're the same bodies, right? We're yeah. we're all part of the same milieu that are working for all of these freedoms. Yeah. And you can't, you know, it's it's kind of like trying to put a fence between two parts of the ocean like it's all one big thing. So I I think back to uh, you know my my like strong LGBTQ history, right? Cuz I'm I'm a history guy and when I started understanding that I was not quote unquote normal. I was not heterosexual, you know, in the, the small, um, Midwestern town, Southern Ohio town that I came from, I just started diving into research and history and trying to see like, how did other people make sense of this, this work? And when I think about pride, one of the, the cool things that I, you know, kind of like factoids that I love to share with people, um, which I, I got to share earlier with you, is that PRIDE is actually an acronym. So many people don't understand that PRIDE began, um, you know, across the the nation in a lot of different ways, but in particular in uh, San Francisco, in California, with an organization called PRIDE, all capital letters, P-R-I-D-E. And PRIDE in that context in 1966, California, stood for Personal Rights Through Defense and Education. P-R-I, they use the, the R and the I from rights, PRIDE, Personal Rights Through Defense and Education. And the organization was mainly formed to help people understand what their legal rights were because the police were harassing the crap out of all of these these queer folk, you know, trans folk, gay and lesbian people, bisexuals, people who who were not viewed by um, greater society with a great deal of uh, appreciation or care at that point. Pride originally was not this focus on being prideful, but rather taking pride in who you are and finding your personal rights. It's a personal rights movement. So when we understand pride as a personal rights movement, then it just makes total sense that pride and repro are so intimately linked because repro is built around the idea that individuals should have personal rights over their bodies, that you should not be forced to birth uh, you know, when you're not ready to birth, that you should not be forced into reproductive decisions when you're not ready or when you just simply choose not to. And to see that kind of development in LGBTQ history, the idea that, no, we're, we're going to form this organization, 1966, um, you know, pride starts around how to keep people out of jail, how to keep people, um, you know, kind of wise and informed when they do get, uh, harassed by the police, that grows into community service organizations, larger education initiatives, lots of other work that gets done. But the center of that work is around making sure that systems that criminalize our bodies because of who we are, are taken down. It's all about the revolution, making sure that those systems of oppression and violence don't get to go unanswered. And that's repro, making sure that when we see unjust systems that harm and abuse, that they are taken down. So you have this like revolutionary spirit with these these two movements that just naturally form together because they're struggling against the same systemic oppression. They're struggling against the same ills. Mm-hmm. This this reminds me um, a lot of 
it's not only um, the fight for LGBTQ liberation and uh, the fight for um, reproductive liberation, but also I think like the obvious unspoken like third main thing in here uh, is the fight for racial liberation. And when I think of um, LGBT ancestors, um, I think of the black and brown trans people who started this revolution. And um, I constantly remember that the first pride was a riot. Yeah, so I think it's really important to remember that that intersection as well. And, um, you know, the people who fight, you know, as a profession um, for reproductive rights and the people who fight for LGBTQ rights um, and the people who fight for racial rights, like, they're the same people. <laughs> these are these are all people who are, um, you know, affected by the milieu of oppressions that are um, happening here in our society. And to <clears throat> not recognize that into or that um, intersection is to miss a big portion of the work that we have to do. Um, as well, when you talk about pride, the personal rights through defense and education, that sounds an awful lot like um, what we've been reading in our restorative and transformative justice book club, um, which just technically we're, you were taking a little break for June just so we can, you know, enjoy pride and then, <laughs> and then go back into the work. But um, a lot of the books that we've read over the last four months talk about transformative justice and this idea of you know, we see a problem with the way that, like, police treat people or um, with whatever it is that the system is um, imposing on us. And so we look out for each other as a community and we take steps to take care of each other. And that's what transformative justice is about. And when thinking back to these origins of pride, that's what pride is about. And that's also what Repro is about. When we see reproductive justice, this fight for a world where people can make decisions about their bodies um, and can uh, raise children in safe and secure and joyful, thriving communities, uh, we see this kind of community care for each other, which is something we've been talking about in our transformative and restorative justice book club. And as we transition into our new portion coming in July around abolition, that'll still be something that we talk about is this community care um, that is so closely integrated into pride and um, reproductive justice. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and there was this uh, Twitter, <laughs> this Twitter um, or this tweet that I saw uh, today that I think is relevant to this conversation because you know a lot of the ways that mainstream media oh, i hate saying that sorry uh that mainstream america wants us to think about pride is to think about corporate pride to think about the rainbows <coughs> that are in target or the fact that michael's just sent me an email about all the pride stuff that they have and that's the way that um, mainstream america often wants us to look at it because they want us to forget um, that pride is about caring for each other and pride is about fighting against the state and um, pride is about liberation. And also that pride isn't over. Like, it's a celebration, but it's a thing that is still actively happening in our everyday lives. There's yeah. still, like, the fact that there is still a count of the trans women that are killed every year, that's a problem. That's a reason that we have to still keep fighting. Um, and... So I'm, I'm going to share this tweet 
that I found. Um, mainstream America accepts pride the same way they accept the civil rights movement, only on the condition that it be framed as a celebration for a battle already won in which they were always blameless and not an ongoing struggle in which they are still very much the oppressor oppressors. <coughs> so... <laughs> As we talk about Pride and we talk about Repro and the connections between those two, um, you know, even thinking back to, you know, our, um, our, like, anniversary of Roe, which um, is kind of like a, a, a yearly anniversary, um, and we can see that as like a, a day to celebrate in the reproductive rights movement, but that doesn't mean that the battle's over. In the same way, when we have Pride... Uh, it's a celebration, and yes, that's great and lovely, but that doesn't mean that we forget that there are people who are constantly trying to oppress us. The fact that trans women are continuously being murdered for being trans women, um, and the fact that um, LGBTQ rights, repro rights, and racial rights are continuously being attacked. It's It's an ongoing, continuous struggle that has to be um, fought. And just because it's pride does not mean we can slow down for a second uh, on this fight for everybody. And I And I think there's, there's something really profound in us collectively acknowledging that we haven't arrived. Mm -hmm. You know, that there, there is not like a moment of arrival. It, you know, so often I, I am a, I'm a white cisgender gay man. And I'm going to speak about white cisgender gay men for just a moment. Like, we have had it so easy compared to a lot of other subgroups in the queer community. Because at the end of the day, we have white privilege that we get to rely on. I have white privilege that I get to rely on. I have male privilege that I get to rely on. Cis male privilege. Um, and white cisgender gay men really like to pretend that we have somehow like gotten to a, a place where we can sit and rest, you know, there, there was this sense, you know, particularly after the Obergefell decision and marriage, like, yeah, here we are. And the reality is that's privilege speaking because the reality is there are a lot of folk in a lot of places for a lot of reasons who aren't going to get to rest for a while. And, you know, as a, as a queer man in Appalachia, you know, I've, I've got to look to all my friends, you know, who are partying it up in New York city and, you know, Chicago and even Columbus. And it's like, well, that's great for you, but you do understand like, um, you know, we still have to walk in pairs down here. We have to make sure because there, there are people in this town who do not want to see us thrive or oftentimes even live, right? The threats of violence that come against us. I was absolutely incensed earlier this year when I, I had a Sunday off from uh, preaching in my local congregation. And of course, you know, it's the pandemic. We're not going anywhere. And I tuned into the Washington National Cathedral and the Washington National Cathedral had invited Max Lucado to speak at the Washington National Cathedral, which many of you know, Max Lucado, very uh, homophobic, um, longtime evangelical voice, uh, very, very against any kind of same-sex marriage, same-sex marriage recognition, 
um, really contributed to a lot of violence against me as as a child. Uh, you know, the the people who I was around in church systems and, you know, who, who I, uh, you know, participated in youth group with, very, very influenced by this man's toxic theology. And I could not believe that he was at the Washington National Cathedral. And there was such a blowback to that, that the Washington National Cathedral brought in Reverend Gene Robinson, right? Washington National Cathedral is an Episcopal church, an Episcopal, an Episcopal parish in the Diocese of Washington. And they brought Gene Robinson in as like, I don't know, the, the queer splainer. I, I don't know what they were hoping to gain from that, but it did not go well because Brother Gene, being the first openly gay bishop in the Episcopal Church got up in front of everyone and tried to calm all the angry queer comments in the comment section and like get people, um, you know, on the same uh, level. And he started his his remarks by saying, well, I understand that people are a little upset about things that, you know, Max Lucado has said before. And, um, you know, I'm I'm really not in a place to um, speak one way or the other on the issue, but I have to tell you all, and this was the piece that just sent me over the edge that, that I think ties in with what you've say, shared here. Max uh, Lucado is going to speak and Gene Robinson, this like visionary bishop, this person who fought all these battles, he looks at everyone and he goes, what you have to realize is we've already won. Ooh. We've, we've won. It's over. It's done. And he gives the, and it fell so flat. And in that moment, it was like, this is the gulf, the divide between the very privileged kind of first wave folk who got theirs, right? And now are comfortably in a place where they can tolerate um, abuse and division on other issues versus all of the young queer voices. And when I say young queer voices, I mean people a lot younger than me because I'm not, I'm not a young guy, right? Like, and not anymore. But you've got like 16, 17, 18, 20 year old people in the comments who are members of Washington National Cathedral saying, no, we do not have ours. We have not won. There is not justice because there is not justice for everybody. And in that moment, right, just, just what you've said, that tolerance of the society to say queer rights is okay as long as it's something that you're celebrating has already been done and we don't actually have to do any work, that got absolutely ground down, and, and the cathedral eventually had to come out and apologize for all of it, for appropriating Gene Robinson's voice, for trying to quell it, for ignoring people. Um, you know, Dean Hollerith uh, was really, really put asunder by people refusing to accept that kind of weak response mm -hmm. to a real, a dangerous issue, because we are in an ongoing struggle for liberation. And... I am here for that all day long because we've got to stop pretending that it's okay to ignore the progress that needs to be made because of the progress that has been made. Mm -hmm. We have queer people today who are fighting for their right to adopt in the city of Philadelphia, Fulton yeah. versus Philadelphia that's in front of the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court is going to make a decision about whether or not it's okay to discriminate against queer people who want to adopt simply because the adoption agency is a religious organization that has bias and bigotry at the center of their theology. 
Like that, you know, Fulton, the, the idea that an organization can have religious beliefs that say queer people and queer parents are less than, they are not as worthy, they are not as healthy and not as holy based solely upon our religious bigotry and our religious opinion. And therefore, we're not going to place children in a home with loving parents, but they still want federal tax dollars to do it. They still want your money and my money to pay for that. No, 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 no. Like, that's going to go over about as well as Gene Robinson getting up telling everybody we've already won. Yeah. So, sorry about that sermon, but, like, that's where we are. <laughs> Happy Pride. Um, get your butt in gear, because that, that ain't, that ain't going to be how this story ends. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, no. And and I don't think, again, to go back to our queer four parents, uh, I don't think that that's what they would have wanted, and that's not no. what we should settle for for ourselves, is to have people let us be able to live or let us be able to adopt children, like, as if as if that was a thing that... They should have been able to take away in the first place. Um, and this really uh, comes back to, I feel like I quote this a lot, but whatever. I'm not ashamed. Um, in or This reminds me of the, the picture of the world that we have to be focused on and the what we want the world to look like um, for our queer f- four children. I think that that's how that works. Our, our, you know, the legacy of how, how we do pride. Um, and, you know, we were talking earlier about like how the, the people who, who started pride, who started to fight back against the system, they had decided that like enough is enough and it's not, we're not going to let um, our legacy be continuing to allow oppression with no fight. Um, and so when I think of how I want to move forward and how I want to be a part of that fight, um, I focus a lot around um, this image that Adrienne Marie Brown gives in her book, Emergent Strategy. Um, and she says, we are creating a world we have never seen. We are whispering it to each other, cuddled in the dark, and we are screaming it at people who are so scared of it that they dress themselves in war regalia to turn and face us. Because of our ancestors, because of us, because of the children we are raising, there would be a future without police and prisons. Yes. A future without war, hunger, violence, with abundance. Where gender is a joyful spectrum. Where my nephew would not be bullied for his brilliant differentness. Where each of our bodies is treated like sacred ground, whether we have insurance or not. And, uh, it's just that that is the the kind of future that like i want to be working towards and if i'm doing something that does not pursue that kind of future the kind of future that is so abundant the kind of future that is um focused on not having harassment not having fear not having um the police or prisons like if i'm doing things that are not pursuing that then i don't feel like i'm doing what i should be and so when I think of pride, when I think of that uh, per- personal rights through defense and education, which I just learned about today, um, <laughs> but when I when I think about that, when I think about transformative justice, when I think about repro and LGBTQ people and um, the, the fight for black lives, um, I always remember this future that we need to be pursuing. And when we're pursuing that future, like what are we doing 
to make that future more possible for the next the next people and the next people and the next people and I and that doesn't mean that like liberation will be achieved in our lifetimes but we could get closer (laughs) we could you know take that next step um I know Adrienne Marie Brown had a playlist that she put out after uh, Biden was elected called Celebrating One Step. Um, Celebrating One Step Forward because that was not the end of the fight. Um, It was just the beginning of a new fight. Um, Yeah, so I'm that's that's just kind of like what I'm what I'm thinking about as we go into this Pride season um, and how how we create how we become the queer for parents (laughs) yes yes and i i think about that that line and that that old hymn you know lift every voice and sing Mm -hmm. there's that line that says have we come now to the place for which our fathers sighed and our fathers our mothers our forebears like have we come to the place where when you think about those early those early queer forebears, when you think about Marsha P. Johnson and Zazu Nova and Jackie Hormona and, and Stormé de la Varie, like when you think about those people who started that uprising at Stonewall in 1969 on the night of June 28th said, we are not going to go along with this anymore. We are sick and tired. We're not going to have a gender exam back in the bathroom so that you can charge us with these absolute BS laws. When those people said no more, I can only hope that they sighed for the place that we are now. And I think about the places that we hope for, the place that we hope to be, where we think liberation ought to be. Our children and our grandchildren in this queer life and this queer world and this repro struggle are going to get to stand in places that we can only sigh for today. Right. I long for the day when queer parents can adopt with no strings attached, no problems, no concerns everywhere. I long for the day when a patient who needs an abortion gets that paid for because they are worth it, because they are part of a society that acknowledges that healthcare is a human right, where they don't have to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop to satisfy somebody else's religion. I sigh for that time. And I believe that our children and our children's children are going to get there. But they're only going to get there if we don't stop working. If we don't stop sighing and and really moving toward that that great day we've got to do the work today because let me tell you if it weren't for those forebears in 69 and 70 and 71 those people who worked and really labored we wouldn't be where we are today we'd we'd be right where they were or worse and that's why we've got to keep this this work going we've got to keep this work moving Mm -hmm. because collective liberation is always intersectional it's always an issue of repro justice and pride together racial justice and pride together that collective liberation of everybody we only get there when we all get there and that's why we're here in Pride Month and so yeah. excited to be together again in this place. I yeah. know we're we're running we're running short on time, but um 
I just want to give great thanks to everyone who stuck in with us and mm-hmm. is, you know, celebrating. I hope you are celebrating Pride wherever you are, yeah. whatever you're doing. Uh, you know, say a little prayer and drink a little drink, wave a little Pride <laughs> flag, no matter how many colors it's got on it all over the place, right? Because this is our month to shine together. Mm-hmm. And and uh, just one little thing that at least I will be keeping in my mind. Um, I always think about how I and my ancestors wildest dreams and um, thinking about the fact that my ancestors were fighting for liberation. Um, what does it mean to think about like what I'm doing and what I'm accepting and thinking like what would my queer forebears do? What would my queer forebears think about me accepting this white uh, cis heteropatriarchy system oppressing me or what would my queer forebears want me to do in this moment and so as I'm going into Pride Month that's what um, I will be focusing on I think it's I think it's WWMPJD what would Marsha P. Johnson do amen yes. amen yes, yes. okay well Lord. we'll see y'all in uh, two weeks happy Pride happy Pride Remember, you can always check out previous editions of Our Soul on our website at ohiorcrc.org forward slash podcast. And while you're there, feel free to look around at all the other super cool content we have to offer to help you faithfully speak out for abortion access and reproductive freedom all across Ohio.